Coming up on today's episode of Will's Wide World of Sports, we are talking WNBA NBA All-Star Game with my girlfriend Marlisha. But first, I wanted to go through some of my thoughts on NBA Summer League, uh, what, what it means to evaluate players, how certain players did, such as Wimbenyama, Scoot Henderson. So all that coming up next. I want to get my thoughts out on NBA Summer League that just wrapped up this past week. Cavaliers ended up being the champions uh, for the 2023 uh, Summer League in Las Vegas, led by Isaiah Mobley, Sam Merrill, Amani Bates. Houston Rockets, they had a couple standout players as well. Of course, Cam Whitmore, the 20th pick out of Villanova. He ended up being MVP. Jabari Smith looked good. Tari Eason looked good. They both only played a couple games. So I want to get to some of those players. And then, of course, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, all those guys as well. But I think it's worth touching on what Summer League is right now and what fans and media members should take away. Because this is, in some cases, the first time we're getting to watch some players. You know, if you don't follow college basketball... If you don't follow international play or G League or even Overtime Elite now at this point, this might be your first opportunity to watch some players in their new teams. So sure, you're going to have some overreaction. You know, Victor Wembanyama comes out, doesn't shoot well from the floor, scores in single digits, looks sloppy with the ball. Yeah, you're bound to have some overreactions pop through your head. You're bound to say, where you're bound to think that, you know, he's going to be a bust. Like, why are we hyping this guy up? But that's just the nature of Summer League. That's what it is, and that's what it always is going to be. I think it's important to note, kind of at this point of Summer League and where we're at, I think players really at this point fall into five categories. And I think depending on which category a player falls into, that really impacts how we should be evaluating these players. Because someone like Brandon Miller, playing NBA basketball for the first time, we should be evaluating him and we should temper our expectations differently compared to someone like Jabari Smith, someone like Cam Thomas, who may have different goals uh, coming into Summer League. So those five categories. The first one's the easy one, um, and I won't really talk much about. We'll call these guys the give-me-a-shot guys. Basically, they're more end-of-the-bench guys. Maybe guys getting a tryout. You know, they may be rookies, second year, third year players, but those that are just fighting for their lives to try and get a shot in the NBA. So that's that makes up a majority of summer league rosters. And some, you know, some stand out and some get a contract, and that's good for them. Others maybe try a little bit too hard and kind of take away some development time for other players. But I think that's a majority of players, and those players we don't really talk about as much. I think the next category is the standout rookies. And I think a good example this past year uh, was Paolo Bancaro. He was somebody that, yes, he was a rookie, but I think relatively polished coming into the NBA. And you knew that he could come in the NBA and contribute right away, which he did. He won rookie of the year. I think he's somebody that's different from, say, a Brandon Miller this year. 
where, yeah, we want to see some stuff out of Brandon Miller. So it might be a little more rocky, which might cause, again, some overreactions. But I think this first group of rookies, we'll call the standout rookies, they, they usually play for a game or two. They essentially show what we believe they can do, and then the team usually shuts them down. So I think Victor Wembanyama, he fits in this category this year where, yes, he had a, uh, a bad first game. He came back out, um, showed more, more promise the second game, and then the Spurs shut him down. It's basically just a first look, get a little taste, kind of get a sense of how uh, the player is going to react to an NBA team, and then they'll shut him down. I think that's different than uh, the third group, which is the rookies trying to find themselves or rookies trying to prove something. So I think Brandon Miller fits in this category, which, you know, I feel bad for him because he was the second overall pick. But when you compare him to, obviously, the the first pick, Victor Wembanyama, when you compare him to Scoot Henderson, who was picked third, who I would put in that second category of standout rookies, even though he's the second pick, I feel like Brandon Miller has something to prove. And he was a little bit up and down, but I think showed some promise if, if his jump shot turns around. If his jump shot turns into a, a legit weapon, you know, I think having a 6'9 guy who can shoot, who can handle the ball. Again, we've all seen the comparisons to Paul George. We know how much he kind of patterns his game off of PG-13. So that would be the ideal ceiling for Brandon Miller. And I'm not saying he won't get there, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time. Other players that might fit this category of rookies trying to prove themselves, Keontae George, a rookie out of Baylor who went to Utah. He had some, uh, some concern coming out of college. Uh, looked like he might be, you know, squeak in as a top 10 pick, potentially go even higher. Uh, but he fell to 16, I believe, to Utah. And he, he played really well in his three games uh, here in Summer League. So again, he's somebody that was trying to prove like, hey, I can contribute. You know, I was drafted lower than I thought I should be, etc. I don't think we can just assume after three games he's going to be great, but I think positive developments there. And then obviously the MVP of Summer League, Cam Whitmore, he would fall into this group. Being picked 20th after so many people thought he might be picked fourth, he would fall into the, the category of, of a rookie trying to prove himself. And in, in both George and Cam Whitmore's case, obviously they both did that over a few games. So we'll see how that translates. The fourth category, I would say, is the second-year player who just needs to prove that they're too good for Summer League. And I think this is becoming a common category of player where it's the, the second-year player that had a good rookie year, maybe not quite to the level uh, the team was hoping, so they want to go send them to Summer League and just essentially make them prove that they're too good, that they don't need to be there. So we had a few different examples this year. Of course, Jabari Smith. He played two games, averaged 35 points. Rockets were like, yep. We've seen enough. You're good. Same with Tari Eason. He also just played two games, 23 points, almost 10 rebounds as well. So those are two good examples of, you know, the Rockets, they're a young team, didn't have, obviously, the year they were hoping for last year. A lot of it was just development. 
And I don't want to say Jabari Smith and Tari Eason had bad years last year. But they're still young. They could still use the development. So it's good to send you know them to Summer League for a second year just to get a, a few more reps, see how they react. Uh, and they obviously reacted positively. Other guys, Ben Matherin, he only played a couple games for Indiana. Max Christie, the rookie last year for the Lakers, he only came for a couple games. He looked good. They shut him down. There are some examples of, of teams doing this and the rookie not necessarily showing out. And I think a good case uh, this year would be for Jaden Ivey, the second-year player out of Detroit. I really liked Ivey coming out of college last year, out of Purdue. He seemed you know, somewhat like Scoot Henderson is this year, this super athletic guard who could get by anybody. Obviously, Scoot, I think, is the better player. I'm not trying to compare them. But I think Ivy struggled at times. Uh, obviously, it, it doesn't help that Cade Cunningham uh, missed the, the year last year. So it'll be kind of fun to see them together. But if I was a Pistons fan, I would have hoped to see Ivy kind of dominate like Jabari Smith did in his couple of games. And I don't want to say that Ivy did terrible, but again, didn't necessarily take that big jump that we were hoping for. So, you know, players in this category, you hope will kind of show out, but there are cases that, you know, they don't necessarily take the next step that that teams are hoping for. And then the last category, uh, I'll say the, you know, the quote unquote veteran, we'll say the summer league veteran, who essentially has one last chance to prove themselves. And yes, this category might be a little dramatic. I'm not saying that all of these players have literally one last chance. But I think they're slightly different from the first category of just kind of end of the bench guys. They're not quite as polished or as ready as the, the last group, the second year players who are ready to take the next step. Think of it as the, the Warriors young guys. You know, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. For a couple of years, we've seen them play in summer league. And the Warriors just hoping like, okay, please like show us something. Show us that you're ready to contribute. And in both those guys' cases, they did perform well, especially last year in summer league. It just necessarily hasn't translated yet. But you'll see a lot of those guys who are, you know, second year, third year, sometimes even fourth year players who teams are just trying to see something, trying to see if they're going to be be ready to contribute in a big way. So I think this year, I'd put like Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, a couple of the, the Pistons big guys in that, that category. Even someone like Johnny Davis, the going to be second year player for Washington. I'd almost put him in this category just because of how bad he was last year for Washington. But it's usually these players that, you know, you're, you're hoping to see the most from. Because again, they're still relatively young, but they're sort of running out of time to really prove to themselves that they can be a, a standout player. So I think depending on what player falls into what category, I think really depends on how we should think about them, how we should feel about how they're playing. Because again, that, that last category of players who you know, are running out of time versus you know, the rookie that's just coming in and kind of getting used to the NBA, that's completely different. So if someone like James Wiseman, who again has been in the league now for a couple of years, and I get he's still young. Uh, again, I don't want to be dramatic in that he has one last chance. He's still young. He obviously can still develop. But I would, I would want to see more out of him, and I would put more pressure on his performance than I would 
uh, a rookie coming in for the first time. So again, guys like Brandon Miller, uh, guys like the Thompson Twins, uh, Grady Dick, Jordan Hawkins. Yes, you want to see development. Yes, you want to see positive things. But but they're still young, and they're still just kind of getting acclimated to the NBA compared to guys in that last category like James Wiseman, Jalen Duran. So that's, again, just something to consider. Those five categories, you have the end of the bench guys just trying to get a shot. You have the standout rookies who essentially just proving what you think they are, whether that's Victor Wembanyama after that second game, he, we had seen enough. Scoot Henderson, again, Paolo Bancaro last year, fall into that category. You have the rookies trying to acclimate, group three. You have the standout second-year players trying to just take the next step. And then the fifth guys, kind of the most important group, the, the quote-unquote veteran summer league players trying to prove themselves. But despite that, despite all those categories, I think uh, a big thing to remember for summer league is what, at max, they play five, six games? In an NBA season, that's 82 games. Yes, if a player has a bad five-game stretch, yeah, we might talk about it. But five games is nothing compared to an 82-game season. So if you think you're standout rookie, if you think you're kind of second-year player that came in, struggled a little bit, yes, you should be concerned. Yes, I'm never going to argue that someone scoring 30 points a game versus somebody shooting over 15 is the same, but I don't ever want to overreact to anything that happens. Because those players that you think struggled, if you think they're that bad, you will get proof in the first few months of the season that that's who they are. And if you think a player's good, same principle. You will get proof over the first few months that they are. So I don't ever want to overreact to anything that happens, but it's still worth mentioning, you know, what players look like, how they might translate to the NBA. So that's perfect transition to just a couple players I want to highlight, obviously starting with Victor Wembanyama. Based on the the categories that I gave, he obviously falls into the the standout rookie category, essentially just trying to prove what he can do and then we don't need to see anything else. So yes, he had a a a bad first game. We all saw it. We all tuned in. The expectations were through the roof, and he struggled. That's fine. I'm not overreacting. He looked better in the second game. Hit a couple jumpers. Obviously, is going to be, from day one, probably an impact defensive player. And that's, I think, what we should expect. I think there's been a lot of people who obviously have touted Wembenyama as the, the best prospect ever, somebody who might become one of the greatest NBA players we've ever seen. And I'm not disputing that. I'm not saying that can't be his ceiling. But I also think you can temper expectations while also really liking the player. Because yes, I think Wembenyama is going to be a great player. If he doesn't get injured, which is a big if, he's going to be a great player and is going to have a great career. But I think you can say that while also saying we should temper expectations. Because assuming Wembenyama should immediately come in and dominate on both sides, average a double-double, average three or four blocks a game, we're just setting ourselves up for failure. 
And that should have nothing to do with him as a player, him as a person, because everything we, we've seen, he seems like he's able to take all of that. But I also don't want him set up for failure. Because honestly, the most likely scenario for his rookie year is he plays, you know, maybe 50, 60 games. Maybe he gets to, you know, 17, 20 points a game, 8, 10 rebounds, probably average three blocks. Again, that's probably the, the thing I'm most confident in. And that, that would be an amazing rookie season. If he averages 20, 10, and 3 as a 19-year-old coming into the NBA for the first time, I would consider that a big success. And I don't want people to, to see that and be disappointed. Last year, Bancaro, as a rookie, averaged 20 points a game. And yes, he's not going to have the, the impact that Wembenyama is defensively. But to most people in the league, I think they would put Bancaro up as one of the, the best young talents in the league. If you were doing any sort of draft for the future, he would be one of the first picks. So that's where, again, we need to temper expectations of Wembenyama can be a great player and he can be a great rookie. But we can also say that we need to temper expectations. Those two things can be said in the same sentence. Because I don't want to seem like I am against Wembenyama, like I, am, like I don't believe in him, like I don't think he's going to be a good player. I do. I think he's going to be really good. Just maybe not to the expectation that everybody has for him. Now, the, the big concern is going to be his health. Because yes, he's skinny. Yes, he's, he's trained himself since he was, what, 13, 14 years old to play in the NBA. And he's trained his body. He's trained all of his lower extremities that, that always give big guys a hard time. So if there was anybody who is prepared, I would say it's Victor. But you also can't prepare for just somebody falling into your legs or rolling up you know, your ankle or, or all of the things that are going to happen to him this season. You know, as much as we, you know, make fun of Anthony Davis, blame Anthony Davis for his health concerns, there have been a few times these past couple of years that I don't know what you expect him to do. Now, yes, players are going to have different injury concerns, different kind of tolerances, their, their muscles, all of that sort of stuff that as a non-doctor, I'm going to have no idea about. But if somebody runs into your leg and your leg bends the other way, yeah, I would expect Anthony Davis to get hurt. Just like if Wembenyama, somebody kind of rolls up on his leg and it gets bent the wrong way. Yeah, he's going to get hurt. And I don't think we should necessarily say that's a bad thing or that's on him. That's honestly just the nature of, of who he is. And at that size, that's a risk that everybody's going to have with him. So unless he's like LeBron James level of Injury prevention in the sense of, you know, LeBron's had that his whole career where, yeah, it looks like he broke his ankle and yet he's totally fine and plays the next day. Unless Wimbanyama can be like that, we're going to see him get hurt. It's just the, the matter of, of either prevention on his side or honestly just luck that he doesn't have catastrophic injuries, especially early on. On the court, I, he'll learn how he's best suited to play in the NBA. I think it's really exciting to see him at his size at what, seven, three and a half technically, but we'll call him seven, four, seven, five. 
at that size to be able to move like he does, to be able to dribble like he does, it's fun to watch, and we've never seen anything like it. The problem is, in the NBA, that's not going to work necessarily, or that's not going to work that much. And I, th- I think he'll learn that throughout his rookie year. Because we saw multiple times where, yes, he has the ability to take guys off the dribble, but because he's so long, because he's so tall, NBA players will know how to, to stop that and how to get steals. So I don't necessarily want to see Victor just at the top of the key breaking guys down. Because yes, while he can do that, and while that's fun, that's not his strength. His strength is going to be around the basket, finishing over literally everybody. His strength is going to be doing pick and pops with whoever ends up playing point guard for the Spurs. Because imagine if they have any sort of aggressive ball handler who you have to respect, you know, whether that's Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, whether that's somebody else that they bring in. If you have to respect that hard drive off of a Wembenyama screen and he's able to just turn around quickly and get that little 15-footer, that's going to be impossible to stop if he can hit that consistently. Because even if you play pretty good defense, nobody's going to be able to contest that at 7-5. So that is going to be his strength offensively. And then defensively, yes, he'll get dunked on. Yes, he's going to get bodied. He'll be fine defensively. He has the length. He has the smarts, more importantly, to be a really good defensive player. So I'm less worried about you know, him on the defensive side. A couple other players I want to mention really quick. I mentioned Brandon Miller a little bit briefly. Yes, he was the number two pick, but probably the most scrutinized number two pick of the last, what, decade or so. He has spurts, and if you watch some of his summer league games, he'll, he'll hit some shots, he'll make some plays, that you're like, yeah, this is why you pick him number two. This is why you pick him over Scoot Henderson. But I think it's going to take a lot more time, and it's going to be a lot more risky based on however his development plays out. Because I mentioned, if he's able to consistently hit that jump shot and turn into a Paul George, that's going to be a win for Charlotte. But if he doesn't, if he's an inefficient jump shooter, if he can't necessarily attack guys off the dribble despite his size, if he doesn't turn into a a really good two-way player, then I think Charlotte's going to regret their choice of picking him over Scoot. Because on the flip side, I know Scoot Henderson only played one game. He only played 21 minutes. Then he got hurt, and they shut him down as a precaution. But Scoot has the potential to not just be a really good player, but could be a, an all-NBA type player, which is impressive because he's a 6'2 guard. And yes, we have tons of guards, but I think his ability to get by anybody he wants while also still having the, the basketball IQ and smarts to be able to manipulate a game, I think that's a rare combination. Because I, I mentioned Jade and Ivy before, the second-year player for the Pistons. He's not as athletic as Scoot. Not many people are. But he's another athletic guard who is, seems to still be kind of learning the ins and outs of, of the NBA. Whereas Scoot, I think he can jump in and excel right away. Whether that's his time in the G League, whether that's just his natural ability, he seems to have the, the it factor that it takes to be a, a big-time guard in the NBA. So even if he doesn't develop a three-point shot, he's going to be a really good player. 
but it's can he develop a, a shot consistently? Can he be a at least competent defender despite his size? And I think both of those answers are probably yes. Like, I'm not saying he's going to turn into Steph Curry, but I wouldn't be shocked if he turns into a, an average, at least three-point shooter. And despite only being 6'2", I wouldn't be surprised if he's a good defender as well. So those two players are going to be linked just like, you know, Trey Young and Luka Doncic will always be linked. We'll just see how that, that ends up for the Charlotte. Now that Summer League's over, uh, again, kind of the, the most dead part of the NBA uh, calendar year uh, is going to be the next month or so. We're still waiting on Dame and James Harden, but we'll probably talk about them the, the next couple months. I would assume that's going to drag out. But for now, I think that's kind of it for the NBA uh, these next couple months. But every time we say that, something big is going to happen. So we'll always, we'll always keep an eye out. And of course, there's other sports to, to keep us occupied in the meantime. All right, my girlfriend Marlisha is back with us. Uh, I feel like it's been a second. Yeah, it's been it's, a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's good to be back. Yes, it's good to have you back always. We're talking WNBA today. Ooh, ooh. Uh, we watched the All-Star game, what, last weekend, I believe? Mm-hmm. Uh, All-Star, All-Star weekend's always fun in any sport. Uh, it's always fun to see the best players go at it. Good storylines to talk about, of course. Yeah. The game itself, uh, Sabrina Ionescu having a, an amazing display in the three-point competition as well. I guess I'll leave that to you. Where do you want to start? Because I think a lot, of, a lot of fun things happened over the weekend. Yeah, so I think there was a lot of great stuff that happened. Um, first starting out was when they were all announced, um, all the players, all the all-stars for each different team, Team Wilson versus Team Stewart. And it was really cool just to see them be really happy coming out. And they did like a dance or just like, some sort of acknowledgement like they engaged with the crowd and i think that was really cool to see um that you often don't see in the dub in the nba like everybody just kind of like is like yep yeah i'm here you know i'm just gonna go over to my side but it was really cool to see them excited and i think i appreciated that uh what did you think about that yeah you made that comment to me when we were watching it and i agree i mean they seemed just excited to be there yeah and i agree that i i don't typically pay attention i guess to the the nba all-stars <laughs> getting announced but yeah they do just kind of they're like yep hey i'm here thanks right versus yeah a lot of the the WNBA stars seem like they they wanted to be there and i think you know we can save this for later on but i think that's positive because mm-hmm. it's fun for me you know who's a bigger i think WNBA fan than most it's fun to see like your stars kind of behind the scenes because mm-hmm. then it's like oh yeah like i want to get to know you i want to watch you I want to be interested in in certain players because that's something that the NBA slowly got, especially when they were first starting out, right? Back when it was Magic and Larry Bird and then into Jordan and obviously what it is now. But you're interested in watching because you're interested in the players. Mm-hmm. I think basketball's unlike any other sport, is like that. So I think that's, to me, a positive uh, kind of takeaway from the, the All-Star game is, yeah, seeing like Asia Wilson mic'd up seeing all the players kind of come out for the intros and being like, oh, like she seems fun. Like I want to watch her play, mm-hmm. which, yeah, we can talk about the game in a second. But I think that stood out, at least for me, um, when they first came out. Yeah, they just had a lot of personality and I really enjoyed the announcer as well. I just felt like he really hit the nail on the head when he was describing like their playing style 
Um, Jewel Lloyd, of course, you know, my favorite player, um, shooting guard for the Seattle Storms, number 24, called her the gold mamba. And I think that, I mean, I don't know any other like short description of her, but to call her that, right? Like, I think she is nasty on the basketball court. So, um, and quickly for the record, Kobe gave her that nickname because there's a lot of people who are against the WNBA for whatever reason, um, who did not like that and don't. Don't know Jewel Lloyd, don't know her nickname's right. called Mamba, and didn't like that, that you know, right. it was being used with everything. Um, but that was given to her by Kobe, and I think, again, like you said, fits her play style really mm-hmm. well. Um, she looks like she could play with Kobe. Right. So I think, I just, yeah, just wanted to throw out there that it's not, it's not just a random WNBA player trying to become known. This was like, this was given to her for a reason. Yeah, no, I mean... Exactly. Kobe knew what he was doing when he when he said that. So, um, but yeah, I I really just enjoyed seeing that. It made me super excited to be like, okay, like what are these players gonna do? Just like you were saying, like you see them, they look kind of fun, and you're like, oh, bet, like I'm excited to watch you play because it seems like you're enjoying yourself. You enjoy what is gonna happen. You know, let's let's move forward. And I think it also is like um, shows you like I think a lot of people when they think about like. When women play in sports, that there's a lot more emotion, there's a lot more attitude, again, negative feelings about women just in general. But I think it really showed you like how like they enjoyed one another, even though they all compete against one another. Um, And it was just cool to see just that part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the fun part for me for any all-star game that, yeah, you just you get to see the players behind the scenes. You get to see them having fun, enjoying themselves, which is for their purpose like that's what they're there to do like yes they're there to put on a show and stuff like that mm-hmm. but then just for them yeah it i can imagine it would be fun to just get to play and interact with the best players in your sport mm-hmm. and and actually like show that you're enjoying your time which yeah. they all were yeah 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 but i guess now moving to the actual game uh you mentioned jewel lloyd gold ooh, mamba ooh, your favorite player my favorite player uh she she mentioned i think it was the end of the first quarter interview that uh, was her parents 40th wedding anniversary Mm -hmm. so she was looking to show out potentially score 40 points she didn't score 40 points but i think she had a pretty good game and i know you were excited to see her play yeah she broke the record um scoring 31 points in an all-star game um i don't know what the the official title is that the official title yeah i guess yeah most outstanding or i guess most points scored in an all-star game yeah and so she and of course we know in the all-star game they have the four point um shooting yeah spot spot do you like that do i like that yeah i think for the vibe that they're going for sure why not yeah. why I, not i think if you're going to be a comp and we could talk about this a little bit later but if it's a competitive game i would say no i agree yeah yeah i think and the announcers i think were spot on when they said this last year when they implemented it not the best because everyone's like hey let's try this mm-hmm. they weren't really making it you know whatever now they were a little bit more, I guess, selective. And it wasn't like, okay, every possession, we're just going to shoot from this. Yeah. They were more selective. And a lot of them were going in this year. Yeah. Which and makes it more fun. I think we have pretty good shooters in the WNBA. So yeah. it's like they can probably shoot that far anyway. So why not give them four points for it? Yeah. Yeah. Sabrina went off for a while. Of course, Jewel Lloyd mm-hmm. scored a bunch. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to, for her to, I guess, get that moment. They also said that Kelsey Plum was pretty close to the breaking that record as well but it was toward the end there was maybe like one minute left in the fourth quarter when like people started realizing it and i yeah. think um 
the players on Team Stewart started to play a little bit, play more defense because they didn't want Kelsey Plum to also break their record. Yeah. Um, wanted to just keep it for Juloid, which you know, as a Juloid fan, I appreciated. Yeah. Um, and it's but it's things like that that are exciting because when Jewel Lloyd was about to break the record, uh, Team Wilson's was trying to stop because, again, Kelsey Plum had the record from the year before. Mm. So that was fun to, like, actually see, again, not great defense, but they're, like, doubling Jewel Lloyd and, like, mm-hmm. making sure she can't score. Mm-hmm. Then she scores. It's great. And then, like you mentioned, Kelsey Plum goes on this run at the end of the fourth quarter, and then suddenly, yeah, they're, like, doubling Kelsey mm-hmm. Plum, making sure. So that's, that's fun because it's not... It's not super, super competitive, but it's almost like fun competitive, which I enjoy watching. Yeah. I mean, in the game, you like could tell Brittany Griner was enjoying like the game. Yeah. Like she was enjoying playing Granite. You know, she came from came back from a really tough experience and, you know, people are super excited to have her back. But it was fun to see her kind of act like she was playing D on Chelsea Gray when we all know, you know, Chelsea Gray could, Gray could get past her if she wanted to. But she seemed like she was enjoying that. and then um having her mic'd up as well was like whoa okay just in general like she was able to um we were able just to see more of her and then it was fun just to see her um get out on the court and love what she was doing yeah um also speaking to i think there was a point where someone shot the ball and it went it got stuck and so asia wilson grabbed the broom and then chelsea chelsea gray and asia wilson were literally just having a little dancey dance Mm -hmm. just for a second pretty cool i mean obviously they're teammates but i mean it's enjoyable and i think you yeah it's just fun to watch yeah yeah and i think that goes back to what you were saying just the i guess atmosphere starting from the player introductions to all the interviews that they do during the game i think across all sports there needs to be more of that like i want to see even in a maybe not playoff game where it's like super intense Mm -hmm. but like a regular season game uh, basketball is probably the worst sport to do this with but yeah why why can't i know what britney griner is thinking you know maybe she comes out you know she goes to the bench why not do a, a player interview while the game's happening mm-hmm. like i want to hear from asia wilson mm-hmm. because then i can like kind of not learn more about them but just know them a little bit more and mm-hmm. i feel like like now after watching asia wilson like i've never been the biggest asia wilson fan because it was always wilson versus stewart mm-hmm. of course brianna stewart was on the storm for a while so I was always like, no, Stewart's better. Mm. But like Asia Wilson, she just looks fun to be with. Yeah. And she's a great basketball player. So it's like, why wouldn't you like market her? Mm-hmm. And obviously like we've seen her in more commercials now, but mm-hmm. like I want to hear more from these players. I want to know more about them, mm-hmm. even if it's just kind of their personality. Mm-hmm. Because that's, again, in any sport, I think is going to be a big way to help. So I, yeah, I agree. I love the, the Griner interview. I love the Asia Wilson mm-hmm. interview. When they interviewed all the aces, that was fun. You don't remember that when when Asia Wilson, the three of them were there. Oh and yes, Asia yes, comes I remember over. that. And then Asia was was like, "I'm a little hurt." Yeah, that she was. <laughs> that you guys did yeah. this about me. But no, that's appreciative. I I think that's really cool. And um, yeah, I mean, there were three or four aces on Team Wilson, mm-hmm. and so people were kind of then um, yeah, people were talking about how they thought, like, okay, what's gonna happen if you know Team Wilson loses because you have four aces the the reigning champs right like what are they gonna do right if they lose this this game but we all know it wasn't super competitive yeah um and i mean it's like yes it was an all-star game but like i think i mentioned to you at some point during the game like okay all four aces are out there 
essentially the aces versus an all-star team yeah so i think they'll be fine yeah yeah so um yeah no that was cool um do you like because that is i guess a, a big point of maybe not contention but conversation of having the captains pick teams so having Brianna stewart and asia wilson pick teams versus you know the old east west kind of style do you like that? Because then, yes, you're going to get Asia Wilson kind right. of pick her teammates. Right. Or in Brianna Stewart's case, like, yeah, she can pick Jewel Lloyd. Mm-hmm. They can play together mm-hmm. for another time. Um, and you can get players that, you know, maybe are on the same team that are on the opposite team now. And, like, we've seen that in the NBA where you, know, you have two teammates on different teams. Like, they can go at each other. Mm-hmm. Do you like that or do you like the old, like, conference style? Um, I think... You do get the positive about them choosing their own teams is that's probably where a lot of the fun and exciting energy comes from because you're playing with people that you get that you chose. Like this is your team. There's a little Mm -hmm. bit more pride. And I think when it is the East versus West, you the positive about that is you see a lot more competitive edge. Um, right. Because we're 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 now playing for something bigger outside of ourselves or outside of just what we want. Like I'm not choosing my friends, right? Potentially, that that's what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I could potentially be choosing my friends just to play with. Yeah. I trust them. They're good. We're going to see what happens, and that's just what it is. Like, we have a good time. Or do we want to see? So I think the question is, what do you want to see? Do you want to see this competitive edge, or do you want to see th- this kind of lightness? And you can have somewhat of both. Yeah. But I do think that's where we see a lot more fun happening. So which one are you going with? Um... I think I, I think I want to see more fun. I think I want to see yeah. them have fun. So yeah. the first one. Yeah, and I agree. I think I'd rather see, yeah, them pick teams. I would assume at some point uh, we'll we'll see, like the NBA did this for the first time this year, have the draft happen at the All-Star game. Like I think it would have been fun to have that with the WNBA too, where you just put all the players up and they pick live. Because again, then it's, then yeah, then you can pick. Obviously, like, Wilson might pick her teammates. You know, Stewart might pick Joel Lloyd. But then, yeah, you just kind of see those dynamics. And, and not in a negative way, like, ooh, who's going to pick? Oh, like, mm-hmm. I was picked last. Like, I think everybody has the, that mindset of, oh, like, oh, this is just for fun. It's, it's an honor to be an mm-hmm. all-star to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's meant to be, like, oh, yeah, like, who was picked last? Like, oh, you didn't pick me? Like, mm-hmm. no, it's just for fun of, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going against my teammate. Like, they didn't pick me. Okay, like, haha, like, fun, competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to stop you. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So, East versus West, I'm okay with, like, going away from that. Okay. Yeah, I think it was fun to also watch the number one pick this year. Um, She was on Asia Wilson's team. I'm Aaliyah Boston. Like, Aaliyah, yeah, Aaliyah Boston. And so, I think it was cool for Asia to pick her because they go at it when they mm-hmm. play against one another. I think they were both from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a big um i wouldn't say stigma but maybe stereotype or just the way that they play is that uh a lot of players from south carolina the uh, women's team could be really like aggressive Mm. in the way that they they play and both of them love contact when they play um and they both go hard and so i think it was fun watching them on separate teams right go at it and then also seeing them on the same team i think that was pretty cool yeah it's those rivalries that are fun yeah either whether it's on the same team and you pick them or whether they go against each other it's things like that but i mean the the flip side is and i don't know if this is east versus west like conference style whether this is just how the league is gone but like if you look back at 
older All-Star games. And I think, I don't know, they were showing some All-Star game, Mm -hmm. you know, highlights, I guess, during the broadcast. And they seem to be going at it. And maybe that's just the highlight they showed, but that's not what it is now. Yeah. Like there wasn't, and and we can talk about, you know, WNBA versus NBA All-Star game in a second, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't like most All-Star games, not a lot of defense, not a lot of super like trying hard players Mm -hmm. or possessions. So is that a, is that because we are now in the, this, you know, pick your team kind of fun style or is that just like people are more cognizant of, okay, this is a exhibition game. Like nobody get hurt. Right. Because yeah, I mean, it's yes. When you watch the old all-star games, Mm -hmm. it's fun to see them Mm -hmm. go at it. Like see Lisa Leslie, like going at it and like having somebody actually defend her Mm -hmm. and having Sue Bird in there and like all those old Mm -hmm. players. Mm -hmm. We don't get that now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily a, bad thing mm-hmm. but it makes the games not super exciting to watch let's say yeah no i agree i think it was cool to really see um like you were saying lisa leslie because that's the highlight that they showed of them really playing i think they had they mentioned that this was going to be one of the highest scoring games all-star scoring games mm-hmm. but when we look back at like why it's because we're not really having any defense right and so when they showed that highlight it wasn't um yeah they didn't again outscore what was happening now and so um yeah I just think it was really cool for to be able to see that but I agree I do think that this now is is better I I don't know if it's I guess I don't know it's for me I guess I don't know better just more fun to watch you mean more fun to watch and I think you're also getting like you were saying like people more people are watching the WNBA I think they were talking about how Dwayne Wade might try to own a team like now people are investing in the WNBA and so it's less about like women just playing because they love the game and they're trying to advocate but more about like they're getting the same respect that players in the NBA get um and they have the luxury to be able to do this um to be able to have fun and and just like you know you see in the NBA so yeah I think the the only problem and I think again we've gone back and forth like comparing NBA versus WNBA and I don't mean to like compare them, but I think, yeah, the NBA has this problem of like, yes, at a different point, everybody hates the NBA All-Star game. Right. And I would, the concern for, I guess I'll kind of lump them together now of like both All-Star games is that, yeah, not a lot of defense is being played. It's not really basketball. It's just kind of a showcase. Sure. Which is fine. I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. And I'm okay with that continuing. Mm-hmm. You know, in the NBA's case, yeah, it's just a bunch of guys running up and down and then they go and dunk. Down and mm-hmm. dunk. Mm-hmm. A lot of NBA All-Star game this year, a bunch of four-point shots being taken, a bunch of threes, whatever. And I'm just saying it's like terrible, but it's not the most exciting. Mm-hmm. If you are going to go that route, then I feel like you have to do more things to make it more of an event and make it more interesting to watch, which is why I was like, I really liked the, like interviewing Brittany Griner or Asia Wilson like during the game while they're on the court. Like, cause then that's stuff we're not used to during a regular season game that could make it more entertaining for somebody to watch. Yeah. Because if we're just watching basketball and whoever's commentating and, you know, they're talking about good seasons that these players are having and Mm -hmm. which not. Sure, it's fun. And uh, people like us, like we're basketball fans, we're going to watch it. Yeah. But like for the average basketball fan, they're like, no, like this wasn't that exciting. So if you're going to do that, there has to be more of the emphasis on the show part of it than Mm -hmm. the actual game. 
Yeah. I mean, I also think about it in a way of like, if I'm an all star, I don't want to compete. I just kind of want to go out and have fun. Right. Like yeah. I, I do all my competing. I show up consistently in games. Not that it's a burden to. Right. And also, like, I think I'm thinking about myself as a player. Right. If I was a player and an all star, I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of just want to chill. I just want to have fun. Like I compete well for my team. You know what I'm saying? So um, and then it's like, if you like, what are you really competing for? Yeah. Like these, the other team is all stars too, right? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I try to think about it in that way as well. Yeah. And I think that's why, yeah, we've seen a lower, like lower competitive style throughout mm-hmm. the years, not because of the change in how they're picking teams, mm-hmm. but mainly because, yeah, people in the mindset of like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, I, why would I try? Mm-hmm. And I, baseball used to be the only one that the all-star game actually mattered. And then even they took that away. Mm. So now All-Star Games across all sports mm. is more just a showcase and yeah. just for fun. Yeah. So I'm saying if you want people to watch that aren't big fans like us, right. it should be more about like, yeah, let's do fun things. Let's, let's interview the players. Let's, yeah. have, uh, let's have celebrities. You know, Dwayne Wade was there. Mm-hmm. Why not give him a microphone for a, like a little segment and have him kind of run around and talk to players. Right. Like do something that it's more like yeah. an event and showcase the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I agree. Anything you're looking forward to second half of the season as we go? Um, I think having season tickets to the Seattle Storms, um, I have loved seeing them play better cohesively. They have Gabby Williams back, and she's done, like, she's really helped build that kind of chemistry for them. Um, and so I think I'm excited just to see in general – like in comparison, right? Like all the teams before, you know, beginning of the season versus now and how they play more together as a team. Um, because to me, that's going to be more exciting to determine like what playoffs are going to look like. Yeah. Um, and so like last, the last game we went to the aces versus the storm. Um, I think the storm were competing well. Unfortunately, their best player, Jewel Lloyd didn't have much points. Um, that really, added to the score right and obviously we have the aces they all have they have five great players right always in the court um so they were gonna win but i think it was cool to see them come like i felt like they were playing all cohesively like they were were playing better um so i'm excited for that um i really want to see i really really want to see the liberty versus aces go at it yeah in something I mean, I think that would be a really, really cool playoff series. Um, and sorry, finals. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I'm looking forward to and what everybody kind of at the start of the season was looking forward to is seeing those two kind of just meet in the finals. Maybe somebody like Connecticut hops in. Yeah. And, you know, because Connecticut and the Liberty, they're in the same conference. One of those two is, so most likely they're going to battle it out in the okay. finals and winner takes on again most likely the aces mm-hmm. uh in the finals so that's i yeah what i'm looking forward to as well i'm looking forward to seeing if the aces lose again they're 21 <laughs> and 2 now as we speak yeah could they go 38 and 2 maybe they'll probably lose a game or two now um and it'll be interesting to see if they start resting players cuz they're i mean the next next best record in the western conference at least is 12 and 9 and they're 21 and 2 so they have that one seed locked up. Like, they could yeah. just rest everybody. Right. So that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if the Storm get the number one pick. True. Again, for all the reasons you mentioned, 
still interesting to watch as, you know, if it's your team, see how they grow. Yeah. But from an outside looking in, do they get the number one pick, the number two pick? Like what that means for your roster moving forward. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. But I feel like that's our like strategy. I feel like that's what we did with Lloyd. That's what yeah. we did with Brianna Stewart. And we yeah. got two championships out of that. Yep. So it might just do us a favor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with in all sports. I always say the worst place you can be is in the middle. Because, yeah, right, you can be right. really bad. So Storm get the number one pick this year. Say you get the number three pick next year. Boom. There's your Stewart and Lloyd all over again. Right. And then you win. Unless, if, except if you're consistently just 500, you're not going to win. You're not going to get the best mm-hmm. player in the draft. So, like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? So mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I think that's a good storyline to watch. Lots of other WNBA stuff to talk about. As we get closer to the playoffs, we'll talk more because mm-hmm. then the games will like really matter mm-hmm. and we'll, I know you'll come on more often and talk about, I don't know, the playoffs and the impending aces, Liberty slash Sun battle. But yeah, it was fun watching the All-Star game. Thanks for coming on and talking about it and we'll talk soon. Bye. That will do it for today's episode. Thanks to Marlisha for coming on. We will be back here on Wednesday. We'll be talking some more baseball and then getting back to the NBA expansion draft that I started uh, last month. So make sure to follow and check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you on Wednesday.